Good morning, good afternoon or good evening, depending on when it is that you're listening to this. First of all, I've got to apologise for the amount of time it's been since I last uh, recorded. Uh, you know, with lockdown and homeschooling, it's been hard to find a, a quiet environment. So without further ado, this is Everyday Runner, episode three. Welcome everybody. Yes, it is absolutely fantastic to be back here in front of the microphone doing another podcast, another episode of the Everyday Runner. So without holding you up any further, here's today's interview with Andrew Firth. First of all, uh, welcome Andy. How are you doing? I'm not bad, Chris. How the devil are you? How the devil are you? Do you know what? I am marvellous, thank you. Especially now the weather's means that we can actually go out and run without uh, sort of ice skates on. It yeah, makes a difference, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, without a doubt, yeah. No, it's or without, In your case, without waders. <laughs> oh, yeah, waders, yeah. Yeah, it saved me running through big puddles and lakes, what I had to do uh, last week, which was... Absolutely. Uh, yeah, very cold. Great stuff. Well, do you know what? So during this podcast, I've I've talked people to like to Mark and to, to Paul Hazeltine about uh, about mm-hmm. what inspires me about their running and and what has inspired me about you is not just sort of your your running, but your outlook on life. Yeah. Um, tell us about how you've how your experiences in your life has has led you to where you are now. Yeah. So. So for me, the where where I am now, I I take a, a learning outlook to life. Um, pretty much everything that I experience, I try and learn from. So whether it's something positive, whether it's negative, um, I try and look at it and think, okay, what can I learn from this, and how can I help? Uh, how can I use that to 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 help me in in the future, or ultimately help somebody else who may be struggling through uh, through the same thing? Really, so yeah, I, I tend to any anything that I do experience, whether it's whether it's running or whether it's things that have happened in my life, I try and sort of look at it in a bit more detail and go a bit deeper with it. Like from you know yeah. when we're you'll notice when we're actually running, I'll be asking you questions about. Um, things that I'm experiencing and, and things like that. And I'm, I'm very open, you know, um, yeah. to asking those questions, you know, even if it sounds stupid, because Absolutely. ultimately for me, it, it, um, it means that I'll learn from it and, you know, and, uh, yeah. So that, that's it. It's learning really. And you've had a, you've had a, a few challenges in your life that have, that have helped you with this, haven't you? Yeah, um, yeah I'm speaking particularly about about your your alcoholism, and yeah. uh, it's just sort of about how you how maybe how that came about, and and what you've done about it since. And yeah, so it's funny actually, just 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 hearing that. Yeah, um, alcoholism, and I was an alcoholic, um, but it's probably worth sort of going into a bit of uh, explanation about what that really is really because people's perception is 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 a lot different to um somebody else's perception of it and sometimes i still hear that word and um alcoholic and alcoholism and i still have this vision of the guy who sups you know two or three bottles of whiskey a day you know uh and yeah. that clearly wasn't yeah. me i wasn't drinking half as much as that um, but but what it, what alcohol actually alcoholism actually is is um, you become an alcoholic when um, alcohol takes over some part of your life. So that could be a four cans of lager a day, it could be a bottle of wine a day, it could be three bottles of whiskey a day. There come a point in my life when I realised that um, alcohol was taking over um, my life, 
But I started to try and understand um, why it was actually taking over my life. And with any sort of substance abuse or when somebody becomes addicted to some sort of substance, they're actually treating the symptoms of something, um, not the actual cause. So what I eventually realized with me is that the cause was anxiety. And even though I was an outgoing kid, um, I was a very anxious kid. And I was always thinking a lot and worrying a lot about uh, various things. So what Hmm. happened with me with with the alcohol is that um, even though um, at the time I didn't realize it and I wasn't drinking to um, treat the symptoms of anxiety. Um, I was in a band for for 10 years and it was just commonplace. I was going through my 20s, just doing the normal thing really, you know, what a a young 20-year-old does. Um, But then when the the band split up and then I went to normal ways of of life, getting up, going to work and doing various things, the drinking continued. And then the more tired that you become, um, the more you think that alcohol will be able to relieve those tiredness symptoms and then you enter into that sort of vicious circle and it got to the point with me where the alcohol was causing anxiety as well so even though I was drinking to help me feel a lot better and stop being anxious the actual alcohol was then making me feel more anxious does that make sense yeah yeah absolutely so 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 for me then, it was a case of, well, when I used to get up in the morning, you know, I was sometimes finishing off a, a can of lag, and that was just to, to to take the edge off, really, because of the alcohol mm. that I'd been drinking the night before. So, uh, so yeah, so then when you go to that vicious circle, so if I told you how much I was drinking per day, you'd just think, well, that's not really a lot, to be fair. But for me, it, yeah. was, it, was, it was why I was drinking, uh, and it was because of the anxiety. Is this during your normal family life, then? Did the other people in your household know about this, or...? or- was yeah. it just accepted or uh... yeah the, the my, my wife at the time um knew i was drinking uh, too much and i'd started to hide drinks and, and things like that and um it came to one point when we were moving house and i didn't want to deal or cope with the anxiety associated with moving and everything like that so i ended up having mm. a, a few drinks so yeah they, they, they did know and um i guess it was getting brushed under the carpet a lot from from me and um you know because I, I didn't really know how to, mm. to to deal with stuff and um i don't think my, my family did as well really um no. but um yeah it's i soon i soon realized that it, it was anxiety was the cause of it but how do you how do you stop drinking so yeah. i guess for, for anybody listening you know if we're talking about you know how somebody became an alcoholic it'd be good to share how how, how I actually stopped drinking and thinking yes. about what actually happened. It was, it was relatively simple really. Um, and as I say, you get consumed with um, your family life and it becomes commonplace and you sometimes don't want to address the issues of the fears of what might happen if I admit that I'm an alcoholic, is my wife going to leave me and all that sort of stuff. Um, mm. And then there's, there's all sorts of stuff which we could go deeper into. But ultimately, my, my friend at work, uh, we were struggling for cash at the time. And she asked me if I, if I needed some money. I didn't really like to, to borrow money, but we really were struggling at the time. Uh, so I yeah. said, yes. She said, right, well, I'll, I'll lend you 500 pounds, but don't come into work smelling of alcohol. 
So for me, there was this sudden switch in mindset. It was now somebody who was out of my family circle who I didn't actually want to let down. Even though I was letting my family down, I didn't want to let my family down. But it became commonplace within in the family. And then all of a sudden, I just had this offer of help. And I knew that I needed to stop drinking. I knew that I was drinking too much. And I knew that I was potentially an alcoholic. But it was only at that moment in time when somebody actually said to me, listen, I know you're drinking too much and you're coming in smelling of booze. I'll do this, but you have to, you know, not come in smelling of booze. So I'm very moralistic and I've got, you know, deep core values. And I was just thinking to myself, well, no, I'm not going to let, I'm not going to borrow money off somebody to then just go spend it on booze. That's just absolutely ridiculous. Why would I do that? And all of a sudden there was just a switch in my mindset Mm. and I ended up stopping drinking. And then... Then it was one week, then it was two weeks, then it was three weeks. And then it became a bit of a challenge within myself. You know, every time right. uh, we, were go- we were meant to be going out for um, a drink or we were going to a party and um, somebody would say, oh, you're not drinking. And I said, no, I don't drink anymore. Oh, you don't drink? And say, no, no, why not? Oh, I was an alcoholic. And then they're quite taken back by that. And then they say, well, how long mm. have you not drunk for? And I'd say, well, at the time, let's say it was five years, and go, oh, wow, that's amazing, good for you. And there was just such a sense of achievement of of what I'd done. It just, I always wanted to just say, okay, well, let's just do another year, let's do another year. And then, as I say, I stopped drinking yeah. in July 8th, 2008, so it'll be just coming up to 13 years now. Wow, that is fantastic, and big uh, big raps for that, mate. Mm. That is a really massive achievement, mm. and uh, so well done. So what then do you feel was the cause of your drinking? The, the, the cause of, of um, the drinking was the anxiety. But then when you stop drinking, you've actually then got to think, well, actually, what causes the anxiety? You know, right. so for me, there were, there's, there, there were two things. There was um, the experience, some of the experiences that I'd had um, as, uh, as a child within my family life. And then also your biological makeup. So um, you know, I have low serotonin and, and, and dopamine. Um, so sometimes the experiences in life, I'm not saying that that determines the way you should think and you, can, you can't change your, uh, your neurochemical uh, levels in your brain. You can through neuroplasticity and doing various other uh, mindfulness techniques and, and learning. Um, but what... Um, what came apparent for me is that these experiences in my life was getting me to think in a negative way, which was then reducing the amount of new, the good chemicals that I had in my system and then getting me into um, a negative thought process, which was very OCD-like. I had some uh, counselling, which basically identified I had pure OCD, which, just to explain, mm. is is... OCD is based on obsessions and compulsions, which are usually based around thoughts. So you'll have a thought of what if, so it's anxiety-related what if, and then you will do a compulsion to try and make yourself feel better. So for me, the compulsion is another thought process. So I'll go through thought processes to try and make myself feel better. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yes. So, 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 so for me, is that it becomes very draining then because you get yourself in this vicious circle of of thought, which is trying. You think you're doing the right thing by thinking of something to make you feel better, but then it just it just doesn't. You go down that that rabbit hole of thought. So, when I stopped drinking, I went through. I, I, I decided to just do everything that I had done before with alcohol, without alcohol. That's getting on stage going up and doing presentations and um, going out and on nights out and things like that. Everything that I'd 
previously done mm. and associated with alcohol. Um, I did without. Uh, is that? Um, is that? How did the the, the alcohol? affects you with your exercise in general because i remember you're a big martial arts person when i knew you at school and yeah. did 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 exercise take a backward step or, or did it take over or did you do it at the same time i, I mean i don't mean literally but no. i mean as for exercise yeah it, it did take a, a back step I, I wasn't doing anything um but every so often i just have this sporadic burst and i maybe just go out for a um, at the time, a, a five mile run. You know, I was I was twenty nine when I stopped. Uh, sorry, I was thirty three when I stopped drinking. So, you know, in my thirties, I was still um, um, relatively fit. So, yeah, um, mm. bet- between those ten, yeah, between twenty nine and, and thirty three, I wasn't really doing much. To be fair, I think once I yeah. had that understanding of, and I'd learned through various um, therapy books learning i began to get more of an understanding of the brain and how it works and what things i could actually put in place to make myself become more balanced and feel a lot better i mean going back to your sort of your ocd thing then mm. um do you think that the ocd affects i'm going more to the present now it affects you with your running I, I, i'm i'm trying to allude to here is that that i know that sometimes you say you're right up for a run but then if you think about it too much it does do things to to your mindset within the you know the distance or the, the difficulty of the run or just the actual getting out. Do you think that yeah. that, that OCD has a certain has something to answer to um, <laughs> answer for? Um, no, not necessarily with with, with running. Um, you know, in, when when it comes to OCD, that's usually based on irrational thoughts and fears, which then present um, a physical feeling of not feeling very, very good, and then you want to resolve that feeling. So in terms right. of those OCD um, thought processes, I, I don't really have them any, anymore now. And I've trained my brain enough to not get embroiled with that vicious circle of thinking. So I tend to do some, I tend to do the opposite things now. Um, you know, so if I fear something, I tend to actually hit it head on and, and don't think about it. I'll put myself into a meditative state and I'll just, um, I'll just go for it and I'll just go into it. So, so for example, now, one of the key things, if I'm really not looking forward to running or anything and I really don't want to go, it's not something I fear is running. So it doesn't, it's not necessarily an OCD thing, but one technique I do use, it says, I basically tell myself, I'm going to just run. I'm just going to go in now. I'm not going to think about it. I'm not going to think of the weather. I'm not going to think of how cold it is. I'm not going to think if it's going to work. I'm just like, right, let's let's just do it. Let's just get my clothes on and then just get out. And then usually what you find is, is that when you actually get out and run, um, you actually feel great then. And you just yeah. got past that thing of... Um, you know, getting out uh, the door, yeah, isn't it? getting out the door, yeah, essentially, yeah, which is always, which I think we all struggle with that. What yeah. I think is not just, I mean, uh, not just self. One, uh, one thing I did do one time is um, my, my my daughters um, dance over in uh, Bailiff Bridge, um, and it, at, at the time, uh, again, uh, I can't I can't remember the reason for it, but we, we decided that we got. I think my my car might have been in the garage, and I couldn't get a lift to uh, to to the dance class, so we decided to get a taxi there. And it was just a spur of the moment thing. And I literally, all I did was put my trainers on, didn't get any running gear on at all. I probably had some combat pants on and a T-shirt, but I literally just thought, right, what I'm going to do is I'm not going to get the taxi back. I'm just going to put my running trainers on and I'm just going to run back. And I think it was about seven and a half mile. 
And just because I've made that decision and committed to it, then I put myself in that position where I couldn't get out and I had no choice but to run then, run back. And that, 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 that helped you then, I presume, that they all, uh, if you put yourself in the, rather than giving yourself a choice, you put yourself in something where you didn't have a choice and that, yeah. that sort of pushed you and spurred you on. Yeah, exactly. Because you, you've, you've yeah, got great. to do it then. And as, as, as you'll have experienced a lot, these, you know, the, the, the mindset is probably the, the biggest thing um, about, you know, any, any sort of running, whether it's a mile, whether it's getting out the door, whether it's doing a, a marathon. And that's something I've definitely learned from, from you over, you know, the long distance side of things. Um, and I, as I've progressed in my running um, is, you know, it's, it's mindset. Is it's going to get you further? Because I've noticed that that when you put posts on Instagram, particularly when you're doing your, your running and you put some posts on, you do yeah. um, you you quite often add to it a quote from somebody that's inspired you at the time. Um, is there first of all, is there people? Tell us about these these people that you follow. I know there was one particular person that that, that really inspired you, sort of with your mindfulness, and then transposing that to to your running side of it. And, and do you think of what that person is saying to get you out running, or do you think of it whilst you're running, or is it just happened that it's a crossover? No, I, I think um, there's a, there's a few different aspects to that. So I like quotes. I like the, the the simpleness of quotes and how powerful that they can be in changing your mind over something. They really get to you think about how it is, not how it uh, how it feels, and how it feels is a lot that stops us from actually getting out 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 of the door. But when you, when you reframe it and you understand exactly what it is, it's. It's not one individual, I think, um, that actually, that I actually think about when I'm when I'm getting out there. Um, it's more of a uh, something that's 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 come over time, really, through through practice um, and understanding how the how the brain works. I mean, one one guy I'm following who I really relate to at the moment is a guy called James Clear. Um, uh, Mark Manson is also another guy, and then there's you you you. you your other people who are a bit more well-known, like Tony Robbins, um, who's a, a self-help guru and, and things like that. So, right. you know, I think yeah. I think through the the years of just reading different books and understanding different therapies, NLP, CBT, and behaviorism and things like that, is that it becomes ingrained into your daily life, you know. So for me, it becomes yeah. second nature. But that said... It's saying it's second nature. It's still you still have to practice it, and you still have to sometimes, you know, focus. It's not like them. Oh, I can do this all the time, and you you constantly being able to be positive and do things like that. I think a lot about it's it's um, being consistent is being is accepting the 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 waves of life. I think sometimes, you know, is that yes. and, and and applying that to running. Um, it's like. I, as, as you as you all know, I'm having some ITB issues at the moment, which is, um, which is, it's affecting my my motivation uh, with running at the moment, and I'm not particularly, um, you know, motivated to go out and, and do any running. But I just see that as part of the wave. You know, I'm on one of those points where things are difficult, but eventually the wave will settle, and the I after, through foam rolling, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, that will hopefully sort it out, and I'll, I'll get back to some sort of equilibrium. So, I think a lot. I think a lot of times we yeah. fight against the resistance, you know, that's applied to us in life, rather than just 
you know, riding it and just accepting it for what it is. Going with the flow. Yeah, and going with the flow, yeah. It's like that analogy of, um, you know, just riding the wave. You imagine the boat, you're trying to fight it. You're never going to win getting over that wave, but eventually the wave will settle and you can just ride it. I like that. That's a a really good quote, that one. I'll I'll use that. Very good. Excellent. Uh, Can we go back a a couple of years to um, to the the special care challenge? Would you like to tell us how how that came about and, uh, and, and yeah, what so, happened? Yeah, this was a, a really good uh, part of my life. Uh, well, yeah, it was. it's funny that um, a lot of these good parts of your life, and this the wave analogy really works well with this. I've probably come, come back off a, a, a year of uh, beginning of 2018. My dad had uh, passed away. And, um, and then, um, I ended up splitting up with, uh, uh, my wife after 22 years. So, um, mm. I got to, you know, the end of the year and, uh, you know, it was like, my, my head was all over the place really, you know, and I was drawing on every resource that I had learned over the last, you know, 10, 12 years just to, um, try to get some sort of positive positivity out of it. Um, I'll try just take something that, that, that I could learn. Yeah. So I'd been following this, um, uh, lass, um, on t- uh, Instagram called, uh, Sophie Ratcliffe. Uh, she can be found at, at challenge Sophie. Um, and she's an adventure athlete and she works with, uh, Kellogg's, um, and some other, uh, various brands. Uh, she's a sponsored athlete and she put a competition on essentially to mentor five people to, uh, essentially just, you know, talk to and, um, you know, communicate with and empower eventually then to run mm. the great half, uh, the half marathon, the great Manchester half marathon. So for me, I've right. not done a half marathon before, and the thoughts of running thirteen point two mile is it thirteen point one? Yeah, for me it was like, God, I don't know if I'm ever going to do that. But so yeah, it, it was a case of just putting a picture on why you wanted to do it. So I put a photograph on of me and my kids, and you know, and I, I, I just wanted to be an inspiration for my kids and show them that I've got some focus in life, and you can actually just you know, yeah. uh, do things on, on the back of, of negative things and just be a, a positive inspiration for them. Anyway, um, about a month later, nice. I, I, I got I got in uh, and I was one of the five people. So, so yeah, that was good. Wow. So, what, and that's what, countrywide, is it, that? Yeah, it was countrywide, yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, and there was okay. people wow. from countrywide. There was uh, a lass up from the Shetland Islands, a lass from Glasgow, Crikey. a girl from uh, London, and um, a lot from from Sheffield as well, and then me from Yorkshire. So, what did that entail? Then was it was it meeting up at certain times? Was it just having group chats? How how did what how did it go about? How did she manage to coach you? And coach you as a group as well? Yeah, so it, it was a bit of all 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 three of those things. So. Um, we, um, one of the lasses set up a, a WhatsApp group and then we had our own group. So we communicated through there with things that we were struggling with and tips and advice. Um, Sophie had given us all her contact details, email, telephone number. So if we needed to reach out to her at any point, she was always on hand, but then she checked in with the group and then sports was all individually as well about what the, uh, what the actual plan was. So that was that was uh, something that uh, continued over the 
was it November, December, January, February, March, April, May. So six months uh, we had right. I think, to uh, to prepare and do it. So for me, I jumped straight in. Um, I didn't want to let any other team down, and because I'd never run half a marathon, um, I just I just I was just running um, probably did it, three, yeah. yeah three or four times a week, and I was probably over prepared to be fair, but I had no. I had no clue about um, training or running or anything, and I just, I just, I just wanted to make sure that I didn't want to let anybody down. So, um, yeah. so yeah, so I was doing the training, and then um, we met up. Um, how many times? Um, twice, I think it was, uh, in London. Mm. So, um, wow. we, we had expenses paid to 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 get the travel down to London, and we met up with Sophie. Fantastic. And yeah. um, the first park we run around was oh what park was it i can't remember what park it was it's next to the uh, to the river thames but we met there mm. introduced each other to us and then we were gifted some uh, fitbits and some other bits and bats as well as well as some merchandise from special care and everything yeah. and it was just it was really good and it, it, it got me to look at running differently really is that it doesn't always have to be going out and pounding the miles and doing this and other. And it's just about getting together and having a bit of a chat and, you know, learning, meeting new people and learning new things and enjoying the experience really. And it was great. There was, there was no pressure to it at all to run any distance at all. Um, And then we went down for the second time and Sophie planned for us to run over all the, the bridges in London. So that was quite oh, oh. iconic. So you sort of running past. How many is there? Um, I think there was. I think she'd arranged eleven, but because one of the footbridges one on there, we'd we'd planned to do um, uh, a half marathon, I think, but it ended up being yeah. nine miles. But the the difference for me on 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 that is that we spent a lot of time on our feet, and even though we'd just done nine miles, um, and I think previous to that I'd done twelve miles. Mm. Um, it was still a long time on my feet and I'd started to get some issues with my knees and things like that just being on my feet. So I'd started to actually worry whether I could actually do the half marathon because I'm thinking, well, I've yeah. only run nine mile, miles, but I didn't realise that I'd actually been on my feet uh, for some considerable length of time. I think it was about three and a half hours, I think it was. Right, right. Yeah. Which is obviously a lot longer than what you'd be on your feet for doing a half marathon, mm. isn't it? So mm. it was a... Uh, so yeah. it accumulated with... Um, some uh well the the run at uh, the the great manchester run yeah so which was really good um we ended up meeting up um and going to the vip section at the hotel and then we got escorted to the front and i'll never i'll never forget it was real experience i'm just thinking i'm this novice runner and there was us in these red special care t-shirts just doing us warm-ups and everything, just having a bit of fun. And there's all these serious people at front or obviously all these serious, <laughs> serious runners. And I just yeah. look back just thinking, wow, this is amazing. We're at, a front, we're at the front of Great Manchester run <laughs> looking at all these people. And then all of a sudden I'm thinking, I'm going to get trampled on here. All these <laughs> yeah. people are just going to be bounding forward. So anyway, uh, we set off and um, we let them do the stuff. Um, we met at various points, just crossing points uh, with, with the team and everything. But Sophie said, right. just, just run your own run, just run what you're used to. So my previous half marathon before then, and I'd only done a couple and then one 12 mile, was an hour and 10 minutes. And I managed to do the right. Manchester half in a, an hour and 52 which I was really that's good 
o'clock, 20 wow. minutes. Yeah. Yeah, so it was good. It was it. Yeah, that is a, yeah. Oh, brilliant. Really nice. That sounds like an amazing experience and something you can sort of take with you to tell all sorts of people about. That's great, that. Nice. Uh, yeah, so just, just on the back of that, Chris, yeah, we, you know, we've, we've got friendships there now. We keep, I keep in touch with, with all of them um, pretty regularly, really. Um, and I've even had an invite to go up and stay in uh, in the Shetland Islands at some point. Uh, to I go do that, yeah. Uh, the lady there does a lot of open water swimming and, and, and running and things, so... I think that's definitely wow. on the cards when you get a bit more time. Yeah, yeah. Once we're allowed, uh, allowed out of our houses as yeah. well, it'd be good to do that, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. So, and I'm going to go back to something you said earlier on because I want to really talk about how you're feeling now about your running. And you've got an ITB issue. <sighs> yes. Yeah. Oh. Every <sighs> crikey, I, I don't envy you, and I'm glad you've got it and not me. <laughs> yeah. Well, because <laughs> oh, crikey, it's just. You you spoke to me before about ITB issues when I'd had some issues with my, with my left leg and you know yeah. considering what I'm feeling now they want definitely not ITB issues but one thing that's come apparent for me is that I think the biggest th- thing for me uh, about running is is mindset but if I had to have the second biggest thing about running for me it's stretching and that's something that I do not do at all. Um, no. Or if if I do, I do it in minimal um, uh, minimal quantities, or I just spend I don't spend enough time on it. To be fair, and I'm, I'm suffering from it now with this ITB issue. So um, yeah, um, it's I'm, I'm having a foam roll, and again, I, I spend probably about thirty seconds on the foam roller, and then I've had enough. But again, yeah. as you know, it's that now every time I'm going running, I've gone back just to doing my normal little four mile route and I'm still getting issues after a mile. So, um, yeah, yeah, that's definitely my, my plan. So I'm, I'm feeling fit. Um, I'm feeling good about running. I'm feeling positive about the, the lighter nights coming and being able to get more running in. The, yeah. the plan is to do some bodyweight exercises and go back to, to the martial arts once the gyms are open again and, and get that happy medium, really. I'm, I'm focused on overall fitness, yeah. really good mental health, really, for me. So Yeah, and get on that foam roller as well. Eh? <laughs> um, yeah. Everybody's favourite. Yeah. yeah. So have you got any... What are you, have you got any aims or targets for, for this coming year? I don't know that I'm, I try to not push you into it, but the, the thousand mile target that, uh, and, and I know that it's, that kind of doesn't really work for you. So what, what are your aims and your targets for, for running um, this year? I think, I think my biggest aim is uh, a marathon. Um, so I, it's funny. Um, about maybe about five or six years ago, I, I thought to myself, um, I think it was just before my mum passed away, I was meant to be going to do the Great North Run, um, but I had no training for it or anything. And it was more of an excuse, really, uh, with my mum passing away um, for me not to do it. But at the time, I was thinking, oh, I'd love to be able to do a marathon, but I just didn't have the right sort of focus or attitude towards it, really. So, um yeah. So, yeah, so marathon is, 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 is the goal for me, really. But, you know, um, I, I think it'll just, it'll just come in time. Um, yeah, we set out this, this year to, to improve the distance and, and get more, more miles in. But for me, my, my biggest aim and my biggest goal with it all is just to beat myself. 
I don't ever run to um, to beat anybody else, and that's something I learned from from Sophie yeah. Ratcliffe. Is that you know, just go out and, and, and beat yourself, and just you know, if you're going to challenge anybody, then just just challenge yourself. So, um, you know, and I, I don't go out and run to to set challenges all the time, but every so often it's good. Like like even jumping in the you know the taxi and just setting myself a challenge, just to switch my mindset in that moment and then run back. Um, was a little challenge within the the bigger aims and goals that I've got. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I do like to ask my guests that come on just to to pass on two runs, and that's one run that they think that absolutely anybody of any ability, uh, any speed, any distance, anything, a sort of run that they might like to do. Yeah, just through your recommendation, and a second run, something that you just really really enjoy doing uh, yeah. so have you got uh, a couple of those for us well i'm gonna i'm gonna switch this around a little bit today chris if you uh, if you don't mind um right I, I think i think for the running side of things if i suggested a run it's potentially only for the people around here um, oh, that would be only applicable if uh, people obviously visit around here and they, they, they want to do a run okay. we've talked about um my philosophy on, on life, which is pretty much learning from everything and um, yeah. the things that I've been through and the, the mental side of it. And as I say, the, for me, the biggest thing uh, about running is, uh, is, is, the, is the mental side of it and getting yourself in the, in the right frame of mind. So, so for me, um, the run for everybody is just to go out and run for the, either a sunrise or the sunset. So it doesn't matter what right. distance it is at all. It's just, you know, set yourself out more um, uh, the day before to actually think, right, I'm going to run or even just a fast-paced walk, whatever it is. Um, so whatever your distance might be and you've done mile, maybe do a, a mile and a half, but just run for the for the sunset or the sunrise and then just enjoy that moment yes. when it comes up and then run back to wherever you started from. I like it. That's a, that's yeah. a really good answer. So that's that's me run for everybody. And then the challenge um, aspect, uh, the challenge run for people is to try get out and have a run when you most don't want to. So that's, you know, if, if you're really feeling like you can't do it or you're just feeling really crap in general and yeah. you didn't have any intention to go out and do something, just go, do you know what? I'm just going to flip this on its head. I'm just going to go out and do something. So again, it doesn't matter what the actual mileage is, what the distance is, whether you're running, whether you're walking a fast pace or whether you want to beat yourself, but it has to be when you don't really want to do it. And when I say really don't want to do it, you really don't want to do it under any circumstances and try switch your mindset and just rather than overthinking it and convincing yourself why you shouldn't be doing it, just think to yourself, right, I'm going to get my kit on. I'm just going to go. I'm just going to put my trainers on and I'm just going to go because as me and you both have realized on several occasions, after you end up getting out, that usually ends up being one of the best runs that, that you've had, all the best outings that you've yeah, had. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, great. Oh, no, those are two really good really good runs. I like the way that you've not been specific about where to run, but to run out for the sunset and the sunrise is certainly something that everybody, yeah. everybody should do. Absolutely. Finally, very last thing before we go, I always like to ask people to just to plug a little bit plug their maybe their social media their Strava if you want or uh, uh, and before you do could you could you just say again 
how can we get in contact or how can we follow this Sophie Ratcliffe? Oh, yes. Yeah, so, so Sophie Ratcliffe can be found uh, at, at Challenge Sophie. Um, right. And that's um, for most of her, uh, I think for all of her Instagram, Facebook, Twitter profiles. Um, right. Website is challengesophie.com. Um, Sophie is a blogger as well and she's a, she's a writer. And she, she she does podcasts and everything, and she, she inspires young teenage women with a, a foundation that she's got called uh, The Trailblazers. But there's lots of real down-to-earth um, information on there, and she's very um, open and honest um, and very raw with some of the stuff as well. She's very relatable, uh, and she has a lot of tips on there on not being too hard on yourself and everything. So, uh, yeah. Excellent. And yourself? What yes, about your own, uh, so if you'd like my, people to follow you? Yeah, um, uh, my main platform, I think, um, is uh, my Instagram, which is at Andy Firth UK. Uh, I do have my uh, website, which is andyfirth.co.uk, but I'm still in limbo with that at this moment in time, so it's just a landing page. So if yeah. anybody wants to follow me over at, uh, at Andy Firth UK over in Instagram. That's fantastic. Yeah. Andrew, as always, it's been a total pleasure to speak with you and it was also a pleasure to run with you this morning. It was nice to, to get out and get when I don't think either of us really wanted to go, but yeah. that's just a, kind of takes in a whole circle to what this podcast has been Absolutely. all about, doesn't it, about the mindset. Yeah, we, we got out and, and, and did it and I wanted to try a, a positive mindset so I knew that uh, yeah. the run this morning, even though it will uh, have been plagued with the ITB, uh, limp a little bit, um, yeah, Um it puts yeah. you in the right frame of mindset for talking about things like this. So, yeah. Thanks for having Magic. me on. Nice one. No, thank you very much. I'll talk to you later. All right, buddy. Catch Cheers, you later. Cheers. Bye. Don't know about you, but I found that absolutely fascinating. Some of the, the techniques that's used for the positive mindset and this coping strategies are just really sort of inspirational to hear and be able to take them through to different parts of your life, whether it be the running or, or whatever it is you're doing. So thank you very much, Andrew, for, for that. And don't forget, if you want to go to his Instagram, that's at Andy Firth UK. In other news, beep, 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 Do you like me? Little ticker tape then? Fantastic. Eh? In other news, uh, Jim Wormsley, just about a month ago, running in the 100k world record attempt uh, by Hocker One One and the Project Carbon X2 event in Arizona, managed the 100 kilometres with an average pace of 5.57 minute miles. I mean, 5.50, I cannot get my head around those figures. But yes, he did complete it in six hours, nine minutes and 26 seconds for 100K. But the big point was he was 12 seconds short of the world record. I'll have to pause there. 12 seconds slower than the world record doing 100k i mean if you take uh, some tips from say coach paul tonkinson if you run faster you'll do it quicker and finally a little bit of local news here i'm going to go over to the queensbury running club 5k virtual relay challenge and the relayistic do you see what they did there uh, team they won the 5k event so congratulations if you were involved in that and one of their prizes along with the medal was a free 40 minute treatment session at the terry mason sports therapy and massage clinic 
over there in Thornton. So any injuries and you want to get them sorted out, uh, give Terry a ring there and, uh, and see if you can make an appointment once it is safe to do so. Well, there you have it. The end of episode three of Everyday Runner. I hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as I enjoyed doing it. I'm sure. Catch you later.